This is Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. Stanford, 90.1 FM. Radio Atenea Americana. This is Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Radio Atenea Americana. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para la radio 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Jubes. Isabel Jubes. Bienvenidos. Atenea Americana. Welcome. Bienvenidos. From Stanford to the world. And today, we'll be talking about CineQuest, a movie festival that embodies the spirit of Silicon Valley. For that, we'll be talking with Mr. Hafdan Hussein, one of its co-founders and current CEO. CineQuest has been around for decades and has evolved with the times. Under its umbrella brings awards, recognition, educational opportunities, and creative inspiration for a wide range of participants. CineQuest fuses innovation with the arts to empower great creations and to engage audiences, young artists, innovators with these creations and with each other, forcing community, joy, and somehow our future is set in Silicon Valley, and CineQuest's uniqueness impacts and has a legacy that results from applying this powerful integration of creativity, technology, and community to inspire and transform lives. CineQuest does this through the CineQuest film and the creativity festival Maverick Studio and Picture the Possibilities, which is a youth creativity service. Stay with us here in Latin Americana while we dive down on the history, mission, vision, and the spirit of CineQuest. Remember that this and all our shows are available at stanfordhispanicbroadcasting.org. Stay with us. Well, thank you for being with us here at Stanford Radio and for taking your time to have this conversation. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Great being here. Can you hear me well? Because, uh, well, we are today in Zoom and I'm not sure how well the internet is behaving today. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Tell me, how long has CineQuest been part of your life and, well, part of Silicon Valley? Well, since the age of the dinosaurs, and I'm just kidding, for over 30 years, three decades, believe it or not, I started it with a, a team uh, and I co-founders when I was uh, in my early 20s, right out of college, I had made an independent feature film and that took me on a journey to film festivals and learned about the power of getting people together to celebrate art and technology and each other. So that that was the beginning. What, what made you decide to organize the movie festival? Uh, the independent feature film that I directed and my producing partner, we we went to the Venice Film Festival and we were very lucky. We were, I came from, you know, no economic advantages. I don't know if I had any advantages, but I, I had a, 
it was a kind of a, a miracle story to get that film into Venice and then to go there as a young artist and to be appreciated by people from around the globe and to see people connecting from all these different cultures and ways of life. And wow, this is so exciting. So my passion for film producing and directing and writing all of a sudden got fed with this new uh, vision of, wow, we why don't we create a film event in the Silicon Valley that does this and brings technology into the forefront in addition to discovering art and bringing people together around that discovery. And so that's how it started. And uh, what what is CineQuest today and what has been during the years? How, how has it evolved and how, how do you describe it? Well, it evolved from starting as the producers of this film festival and the festival grew from, you know, 3,000 people showing up the first year at over 110,000 in 2019 and 20 before the pandemic uh, to a place that was, you know, renowned around the world as the, the foremost and greatest place to discover technology as well as art uh, to this real, you know, this powerful film festival. But in addition to that, over time, other things evolved. We were we learned that we could be pioneers in showcasing and implementing technologies that were influencing media from digital filmmaking to IP delivery of media through the Internet to other forms of mobile cinema and other forms of technology, AR and VR. So that part became a real big part of our DNA. We did a distribution company and successfully distributed, you know, 90 films with a, in adventurous ways. And then we build out. After a while, we said, hey, you know, we're doing a lot of mentoring and we're inspiring a lot of youth and teens on how they can create because we do that. The technologists, the, the genius people on our board that do, that do science and math, and then those of us that do math and, and art. And so we created a program called Picture the Possibilities and helping gro uh, global youth to Picture it and create it to take a vision and bring it into reality, regardless of your circumstances, your location. What is that vision you have? Is it to create a community garden? Is it to make a, a new technology? Is it to do something in the field of medicine? Is it just to be a great person and to have a wonderful family? Is it to create a work of art? What is that vision? What is that picture? Now, how do you bring that into reality? And we created programs and services to help people do that both uh, in person and now as well globally and virtually. So, you know, that that is something that evolved uh, in the, the, was not part of the original vision, but Picture the Possibilities is half of what CineQuest does at this point. Hmm. So there are a lot of parallel things happening and uh, have been adding during the year, like the VR uh, section of these and uh, you know, all the youth incentive programs. So how many parallel things are happening today? Oh, and, oh, and, the, and the Maverick Awards. So what are they? And how many things are you working together with the CineQuest under the CineQuest umbrella? Right. I, I mentioned Pictures Possibilities. It was as far as the festival, we, in addition to discovering movies, and that's an obvious thing, and bringing in hundreds of artists to premiere movies, and these beautiful venues that we have. You mentioned the Maverick Spirit uh, series and award. We do a lot of discovery of the of the top 10 festivals in the world. CineQuest programs the highest percentage from its submissions. And why is that important? Because that's where you're discovering new talent. These are the folks that are not already famous. So we love doing that, but we also shine a light on the famous and showcase the top 
uh, movies and artists from around the world. And the Maverick Spirit Award sums up for the for us the best of the Silicon Valley and the world of art. People that, you know, they're not told what to do. They don't follow the same old policy that was done last year. They don't replicate, but they innovate and they create from their heart out of the passion that they have to bring something into reality that's special. And those Mavericks, we recognize the Luminary Mavericks through this award. Many greats have received it from uh, Harrison Ford, J.J. Abrams, many great artists from all walks of life and technologists as well, innovators um, like Steve Wozniak and Marty Cooper, who innovated the cell phone and nobody thought that would work. You know, most of these innovators and Mavericks, that's their story. The word comes from an old rancher, Samuel L. Maverick, the one rancher that did not brand his calves. They ran free. They did their own thing. That was, and they become known as Mavericks. So, you know, that is why we love that. Uh, so that's been a big part of what we do. You mentioned AR and VR technology. What's the latest technology that's influencing storytelling and media? Well, over the last seven years, it's been uh, virtual reality and augmented realities and mixed realities and, and now AI. You know, so these are things that we have to pay very close attention to and lead the way in showcasing. And when you showcase uh, media technologies, you have to showcase the technology and the tool and then the application of it. OK, so we have these headsets and not as many people want to put them on as people thought, but they started to put them on. All right. And then but what do you create in those headsets, those virtual reality experiences that's exciting because who cares if you put on the headset and watch something that's not interesting? And so the the content creation had to catch up with the technology. And and so uh, our showcases showcase both. You know, okay, here's the latest in VR and then augmented realities. And again, how do you use these tools to create experiences for people? Because that's what the uh, the media makers do. They create an experience. A film has always been a technologically driven art form. From day one, it required technology. You know, it required light bulbs and and film uh, and uh, the recording on film and the, the the presentation of that film with a light going through it projected onto a screen. And now we have different kinds of screens. It's always been about technology and how a person can use that technology to tell a story or to create an experience for people to to have. So. When we do these technological experiences and presentations, they, they are that combination of, okay, let's take a look at the tech, but now let's put it in the hands of creative folks and see what they can do with it and show what they do. And so that's a, the blend of Cinequest experiences are the artist, the technologist, and the audience. It takes all three, you know, to get that. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned uh, also the AI today, which is, uh, I suppose, involved everywhere. It is starting to get a little bit uh, controversial. And there are a lot of, you know, and but you also mentioned the artists and, and the content creator. How is Cinequest facing this new part of technology that, well, now is part of everything that we do every day? I had a great director at Cinequest called Tom Shadiak with one of his films, I Am. And he said, people get technology wrong. It's neutral. The technology is completely neutral. It's what you do with it, who's using it. And that's how I look at AI. And it's a tool. And is it going to overcome human intelligence? I don't think so. 
I think that human intelligence and imagination and the experience of being human, being in a, and if you have a spiritual event, a spiritual human experience, is something very uh, much not going to be replicated by machines and artificial learning and intelligence. But that is a very powerful tool. Where can it be applied? Okay, we have big controversies in writing right now because of the writer's strikes. People don't like the fact that they create series, put their intellectual property out there, and then the producers are coming along saying, well, if I can look at two full series of this thing here and I can feed the AI tool, it will we will have enough information that it can write a season. I'm sorry, not a series, but a season of that particular series. Who needs the writers anymore? Well, that, to me, that's completely wrong. And then a, and a horrific and dark utilization of a tool. But it's a wonderful tool if you say, okay, can it aid the writer, maybe in research of a period piece? Can it aid the writer in helping with certain uh, dialect? perhaps, of a time in terms of correcting the dialogue. There are a lot of ways that artificial intelligence can offload tedious things from writers and also stimulate their imagination, too. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm stuck on my ending here. Okay, give me, tell me about three great uh, movies and their endings in the, in the noir genre, because I'm writing a noir film, all right? And then it tells you, okay, well, maybe that stimulates them not to copy that ending, but oh, what if I did this? You know, so I there are again, if it's an augmentation and a tool to the human intelligence and experience, uh, then I find it personally, it's just a personal opinion, very powerful. And if it's, you know, if it's a trying to re replace or steal in a way and copy the intellectual property of writers, then I, I think that's a pretty extreme negative, and the writers have a right to say something about that. Definitely. You know, I see some parallels with different examples from my life or example when there was a big change in architecture to pass through new digital tools. It took some time for people to understand that it was just a different kind of pencil or a different kind of tool. And as the tool got more sophisticated, you know, when you can actually predict in less time different sun exposures or different temperatures of the building, uh, during different time of the year, you know, it, it got way more useful to just go and do it in a more efficient way. But still, it's just another type of ink, another type of pencil that you use try to take advantage. It's not taking the creativity behind. And in another way, every time that I need to make a translation, I found that the translation tools are pretty good up to a point. So if you use use them to start, as you were saying, as you seen as a, as a way to begin and have some job done before you, and then you come back and then you, well, there is a better way to say this, or this actually sounds more natural to me in this other particular way. And then you just change it, uh, trying to reflect the spirit of what you're translating or you, what is meant to be behind that. And, you know, it's the part that is behind that tool uh, that ends up using it just as that, just something to help you instead of something to create is more something to help you create yes and and one of the kind of in the realm of translation is and some of these things are just tedious that you want to replace i mean look at people might still be writing on underwood typewriters thinking that that's going to make them a great writer like william faulkner and hemingway but i don't think that's what made hemingway and william faulkner great writers it was just what they had at their disposal 
you know, to get the, the words down. And, you know, I think most people would use some word processing tool at this stage of the game and not think that that's clogging up their, their creativity at all. But some of the things in filmmaking are extremely tedious and time consuming and have nothing to do with the artistic. You mentioned translating, art, dubbing movies is one of them or doing ADR, automatic dialogue replacement where you've shot a scene outdoors and there was too much noise. In fact, I've got some noise going on behind me with a leaf blower right now. And now if somebody's recording that, they got to get, okay, we can't use it. There was a leaf blower. You were outside with a leaf blower. So we got to have you go into the studio, schedule a sound studio, schedule all that time with the sound designer. You've got to sit there and read those lines again as an actor. And that's, they don't want to do it. There's no artistic excitement in that. The directors don't want to do it. The producers don't want to pay in all that time. With the new, uh, we had a film out here at Cinequest in, in August. They had a new Israeli meets a Europe-based uh, AI tool that does that dialogue replacement for you. It samples the actor's voice. You then give it the words that it needs to replace, and it can go in and do that. Or... It can also do the dubbing better if you're trying to say, you know, I like subtitles. I don't like dub movies. But if you're trying to dub the film, it'll do a better job of replacing, say, a film that was recorded in Spanish with English dubbing. It'll it'll feel and look more authentic than the typical dubbing where the mouth is moving and it looks crappy. So, you know, those tools are helpful. And there's nothing to my mind, anything negative about that, because, you know, the actors are thrilled that they don't have to go into the studio and the producers are thrilled. They don't have to take the time and money to do something that's very boring to do. There's nothing exciting about that. And so, you know, I guess who who's, who doesn't like I'll tell you who doesn't like that. The, the sound designer who gets paid to do that. OK, they don't like. So there is uh, there is a negative. OK, they're the person that gets everybody together for that boring session. Of replacing that dialogue they they don't like it because that's part of their their income but uh but if i say most people would say that's a good tool for filmmaking yeah. Yeah. what are some of the most memorable memories well <laughs> redundant there of the maverick awards that you had over the years we've been very fortunate to have so many great people and almost every one of them has been extremely gracious Harrison Ford, I always remember him because he just uh, keeps having such a great impact on film to different generations. He's got some hot new shows out now. So he was such a, a gentleman and very funny and very insightful in his presentation. Early on, Werner Herzog uh, was a really a tremendous uh, Maverick Spirit guest, great artist from the 70s, went more into documentary filmmaking after the uh, 70s and 80s. But, uh, you know, there have been so many of these people. Our, uh, Dario Argento, you know, a, a wonderful uh, Italian, uh, super creative, wild director who made Suspiria and other great films. So they've kind of had these two different blends. They've been more like Dario, great artists that maybe Americans don't know as well. And then the Harrison Fords and Nicolas Cage was one of my favorites. Because the passion, you know, he, he when at Cinequest, I think the great artists they know they're not going to be harassed. They know that the reason they're here is because people actually care about them. And that's a big difference in going on some press tour at when you're releasing a film somewhere. 
and people kind of you know harass you for your time. You know, it's it's just business for them at that point. But when they come to Cinequest, I think they feel from our audiences and our team that they're appreciated as artists and people. And so they relax and then they give of themselves so openly and inspiring. And Nicholas Cage is one of them. My God, it was just so inspiring to hear him talk about what brought him into the world of acting and what inspired him, you know, watching the masterpieces with Marlon Brando as a kid and, uh, you know, things of that nature. So, you know, we love these people um, and, you know, the memories of them is, is usually very, very warm. And I won't share the ones that are aren't because <laughs> that wouldn't be nice. But the ones that aren't are very, very few. Usually it's the people are extremely uh, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, um, you know, I never when learned so deep about Nicolas Cage, for example, until I started thinking about it by the Maverick Award. Like, and then I realized all the maverick things that he actually he's pretty much about the maverick uh, spirit he definitely is you know and some of the the younger artists we've had recently like Elle fanning have been super she's a cool one one again just a wonderful person but just having come into doing art at such an early age and she was eight or nine years old when she had she and her family had their first film acting professional gigs and so she was one of those, but she then was able to grow from the child acting into the adult acting. And that's really hard to do. And she's been able to do that so successfully. And so she was uh, and another inspiring one. So it's fun for me to see the masters, you know, the Harrison Fords, you know, and then to see the emerging, you know, the Elle Fannings. Those, those are good, great bookends on the Maverick spirit. How do you see that CineQuest has inspired and will keep inspiring the next generation of filmmakers? By focusing on, so we're we're a qualitative deep dive organization. That's very different than being an egalitarian uh, tool. When I talk about tools that are neutral, CineQuest is not neutral. We believe in the power that comes with telling stories. And you, or if you don't tell stories, creating an experience through film or television or augmented realities, whatever meaning, we feel there's a responsibility for that. You impact people's minds and hearts and we believe in spirit to spirit. And we believe very much in promoting the narrative and always have, you know, we've done these things before they were mandated by society, not only inclusiveness of cultures and genders and ways of life, but all ways of thinking, you know, and and embracing how exciting movies are and sharing with each other different ways and walks of life. And that you have such a power as an artist. And you need to, to think about that when you make that film. And if you're a producer, think about that when you're producing it and, and, um, and embrace that opportunity you have to, you know, just make somebody laugh. You know, the great Preston Sturgis made a film about, hey, you don't get so highfalutin, you know, really just making people laugh is as good as anything. But, you know, giving them a, a, you know, a great laugh or giving them a transformative experience, taking them on an experimental or innovative journey. These are important things you can do for people. Tapping into stories that help them heal. You know, if it's a story about, uh, you know, the courage of people during war rather than just the ravages of people during war. If it's a story about how somebody has overcome another type of trauma or 
or challenge. You know, these are stories that inspire people. But if you just tell them a story about the trauma and how horrible life is, that doesn't inspire them at all. Or if you just make a movie that's negative or mean-spirited, we can find plenty of that. It's social media and, the, and normal media. You know, doing something with your tool and your power. So this is Cinequest and what you say, how do we inspire people? We, we inspire them by showing them artists that do that, both you know, masters and the new. We encourage them by constantly discovering their work. We showcase them. We bring them into these beautiful venues and have hundreds and thousands of people applauding their work and responding to it. We get them into social experiences where they meet other people from around the world in different walks of life and fields. We give them uh, the seminars and forums and tools to expand their mind horizons. We've taught them and shown them most of these technologies before they were famous for years. So those are some of the ways that we inspire uh, them um, to to and to tell them the story that, like I mentioned myself, I didn't have anybody in the film industry. My mother didn't have a dime. She was furious that I left math and engineering to go into film, but that you can make a movie and find a way. And that's always an inspiring story as well that, hey, you know, you got a story. You made one, you can make another and keep making them uh, telling, you know, telling the world what's in your heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can go on on that forever. I'm sorry. And that's why we do the mentoring too with the pictures of possibilities. It's not just film. It's what is it that you want to create? You can do that. And you can find examples in all walks of life. And we can show you some ways and some methods and some, some values that are very helpful, like passion and persistence. Most creative people, they have to stick to it. It's usually not that easy. Sometimes it is, but we tell this is how we inspire people by in, in different ways. Mm -hmm. When you do these uh, programs that you look for kids with different backgrounds, how do you find people that you take into your programs for children? Uh, and uh, do you also do uh, like a scholarship or things for people with... Um... To make sure that you actually have a variety of backgrounds, like including socioeconomic disadvantaged background, uh, low income families, but you know, everybody that can actually benefit from this, including middle class and all types of population. We do a lot of that. And we have two versions. We have city sessions where we go into and have community partners in different cities like Harlem and Mexico City and San Diego and, uh, you know, places around the globe. And then we also have a, a scalable global uh, program that we're just launching now. We've tested and now it's going to be online and virtual. We make as much of it as possible free for free. Uh, we do look to serve the underserved. So we will look for community partners in areas that have uh, need and we bring those programs for free through our sponsors. Um, and, you know, if we're serving somebody that's in a little bit more of a economic positive, we might ask them to, you know, support our program and pay a little something. But uh, so we do as much as we can to give this to folks for for free. And in response, what we want them to do is to participate. You know, when you get something, it's not you're not really getting it for free. You're We're asking you to be involved, you know. It's not a program where you sit in the corner and do nothing. You got to get really involved and 
and uh, learn the curriculum and the processes and read the books and watch the videos and then do things. The doing thing is activities. We have different versions of these online and in person. In person, what we do in the city sessions is we make films. Again, the program is not about training filmmakers. It's not a film school or film camp. But the reason we do short films is that anybody who makes a short film in a group, they get the experience of bringing something into reality and the process of collaborating with people to do that. And so those are very healthy experiences that you can apply to other areas of your life. And film is a great learning tool for that. Yeah, I remember just a few days before the global shutdown, I was at CineQuest that March. And I remember going the weekend before the world closed. And, you know, it was still a, a, an amazing experience. There was a lot of VR. There were a lot of uh, local artists uh, painting uh, right there live. There were, you know, little craft kind of festival or places where you could also show your different type of craft. And then everything shut down, I think, on a Thursday or on a Wednesday uh, right after that. How did the pandemic change CineQuest? Well, that was hard because Stanford and Cinequest, <laughs> you're at Stanford, were the two inst first institutions in America to do something about COVID. And we all, we both shut down our services and told people to go home. We had to protect their safety. That was really hard to do. We had a hit, as you said, that we had the, got in the first six days of a two-week masterpiece festival celebrating our 30th anniversary and had to shut it down. We got in some great experiences, but and film and creativity. It's not just film for us, as you mentioned. Um, but what we did, we were lucky. We had actually done the first online film festival in 2005-ish, seven. We we're doing some early stage work with internet delivery companies that everybody thought was insane. And we had done this festival that was global and on the internet in addition to the in-person. So we had already a flavor for it. And we said, okay, and we had started a platform company, a sister platform company said, okay, let's build out, let's not just do a film festival during the pandemic that's streaming movies, because for us that, that's not what film festivals are. They're, they're a lot more than movie watching. They're premieres of films, their experiences with people, you share the artists, a lot of things that go on. It's all the film festivals and then the, the best of them do, you know, some different and unique flavors into that. And so we started building out our own uh, virtual experience. We called it CineJoy, and we've done four of those. And each one of them has gotten a little bit closer to the experience one gets when you go to a film event like Cannes or Sundance or Cineclast. And so they were very been very successful for us and great ways. We'll keep doing those in addition now that we're back in person because it's a there are some advantages to that experience and different too, because it is global and doesn't have the constraints of, hey, you want to go to Cannes? You got to be in Cannes on May, whatever, 5th to the 15th. And it's quite expensive. You got to fly there. You got to get a place to stay. You got to get the ticket, the whole thing. So, uh, but a, uh, a great virtual experience, you, know, you can get people from everywhere doing it. And that's nice. It's not going to replace the feeling in Cannes of being on a red carpet event, if you like red carpets, and seeing that film premiered uh, in, you know, 
with the ocean right by you and, and the sea and everything. So, but it has a lot of benefits as well. So we've did a, with the virtual has been good to us. It's been good. It was a way for us not to sit back and do nothing for three years and to do something that was special because we kept uh, innovating with the virtual to find new ways to get people to interact while they were experiencing these new movies. So, yeah. So in a festival and in your world where everything is about innovations and everything is about new sensations, I suppose it's a little bit uh, difficult to answer this, but how do you see the future of CineQuest and uh, what are things that you're looking forward for the next few years? Um, well, the innovations, you know, those things you just kind of, like I said, who would have thought AI finally would become such a hit. And I, I'm looking forward to the discussions and the applications of AI in the world of media. And I think that's going to be very exciting over the next year. We're going to have a lot of incredible thought leadership events around that and seeing new, I mentioned one of them that we just had at CineQuest, the, 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 the dubbing and the ADR replacement. And seeing how AI might have a positive influence in the world of, of, of film and where it might have a negative and and you know really exploring those things the thing with all these technologies uh that we've been such a part of through time the big thing is okay can they help democratize access to storytelling that's huge more people can get to it because it's not as expensive or hidden behind closed doors and then can they do it better okay but it doesn't matter if you have AI, the best cameras in the world, the most wonderful lighting. If you don't have something inside of yourself that's powerful to say, and you're not willing to go on that journey of saying it, and or get the team together and the writers to do it. So the technologies, they never make the human heart or the creative expression of the story better. They're just the execution of the story and the access to using film to tell your story becomes more democratized. That's it. But it, what we really have to focus on is continuing to encourage people to tell their stories and to develop the capacity to do that internally. That's what it's all about in the end, because even today, you know, you can watch a film that's a magnificent story with poor technology. <laughs> and it's way better than a crappy story with great technology. It's, you know, and sometimes these things are bringing in, you know, a billion dollars at the box office that I can't even get through for five minutes. But, um, but they, uh, so that is really the thing about technology. It's not a replacement or it won't make your storytelling any better it'll just allow you to tell it right yeah. right and now you're doing it uh well it, it will be pretty much twice a year because you're doing the online version with mm -hmm. cinejoy and then the person in person version on fall that's right i mean that, that looks like we're going to come back and do an in-person version in march probably followed by a, a virtual version right after that some groups who do virtual and I'll, some of the groups that have done virtual during the pandemic they're not doing it anymore I noticed Toronto's not. Sundance is because they're like us. We found there's a power to it. 
they like a hybrid situation. We like to focus, do in-person, do virtual. Um, so there's just different approaches to that. But I, I think that it, we, we love doing the virtual and because we feel we've only begun the challenge. I, I mentioned it. It's how can you possibly translate an in-person experience virtually and bring enough of that experience into the virtual component, but then use what virtual does best so that you don't have the same thing because you're never going to have the same thing, but you can have something that is unique and very powerful. And it's not just, you know, streaming festival movies. To me, that's boring. Ah, it's just, it's not interesting to me. There's nothing interesting about it. I'd rather, you know, I can, I can watch, there's how many streaming services you can watch any kind of films and then the festivals better to go to them, I think, than just to stream their movies. But if you stream their movies and give the added experience of, wow, I'm watching these movies for the first time. I'm interacting with people. I have engagements with the artists. It's really fun and exciting. And I can do it whenever I want to. And I can do it in uh, Hawaii or the Netherlands or India or Beijing or Mexico City. And I can be with other people from around the globe and do it with them. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for taking oh. your time to talk with us here at, at Stanford. And uh, well, we, we are really looking forward to see more of, of your work and see more of CineQuest in general. Thank you. And thank you to Stanford for all of your wonderful creativity and work and, and support of all the technologists and artists of the world. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and that was our conversation with Hafdan Hussein from CineQuest about this festival and about something that happens every year and now even twice a year in our backyard here in the heart of Silicon Valley. And we are looking forward to way more of this over the years. Stay with us. And remember that this was Atenea Americana. Thank you. And this was Atenea Americana. Atenea Americana. Stanford 90.1 FM. Rayon Atenea Americana. A window to the Latin universe. This is Rayon Atenea Americana. Bilingual house of culture. On the air and online. Su casa de la cultura en la radio y online. Para Rayon 90.1 KCSU Stanford. I am Isabel Juves. Isabel Juves. Vuelve pronto. Atenea Americana. From Stanford to the world. Remember to come back soon. Ciao. See you later.